good morning, everyone. I had an amazing trip in Ecuador. Uh, so what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to give you a, sort of a report of the trip, and then I have a what I hope is a physical and spiritual challenge for you. And then we're going to watch a video, and then I have a message prepared. Uh, now the message is not that long, so <laughs> we're not going to keep you all, all hours of the day. Uh, just to, I'm going to run through this as it's just bubbling in my head. Um, there are two important things that Pate Ministries, that's who I went with, Gary and Dina Pate, uh, he felt the call to Ecuador 30 years ago in the 80s. He went to the Southern Baptist Convention, and because he did not have a bachelor's degree, they turned him down. And so he said, well, I'm going to move to Ecuador anyway. I'm going to go there anyway. So he started ministering. He moved there 10 years ago, but he was there for a lot of time before. And he's planted uh, more than, uh, let's see, I think I'm wrong, but more than 20 Bible clubs. I think it's even more in the mountains. We were on the coast. Uh, they have, he has a young pastor who is basically the Ecuadorian me. His name is Andres. He's 32 years old. He and his wife have two daughters. And he went on vacation while I was there this week because his wife made him because he hadn't had a day off in six months. <laughs> so basically, I was just meeting the mirror version of myself from a Latin American country. <laughs> and uh, it, it, But here's what amazed me about this. They're ministering primarily to children and orphans. Their Bible clubs are basically our vacation Bible school every day, Monday through Thursday, every week. They are, and they are traveling to different community centers. Sometimes they don't have electricity. If I was going to replicate the Bible clubs and church services I was in, the first thing I'd have to do is turn off the ACs because they don't have any. They don't dress up for church. They're dressed so they don't get dehydrated because we packed over 200 children into a room half the size of this sanctuary. Half the size. One of our members, a 21-year-old guy, had got heat stroke and fell out. I have a picture. I didn't get it in the video, but it's on social media, the, of the pastor uh, holding an IV as they're putting fluids back into his body. And the Ecuadorian kids are just laughing at us gringos because we're getting hot. But here's the other amazing thing. Down there in Ecuador, as in most South American countries, they are almost 90% Catholic. 90% Catholic, which means two important things. Number one. They have heard about Jesus. They consider themselves to be religious, but this is what they've heard, number two, that their good works get them into heaven. And that's what Gary and Dina and their Ecuadorian team that they minister to, who are locals, who live there, who are immersed in the culture because it's their culture, they're reaching children and their parents with the true gospel that your good works will not get you into heaven. Good works come after the real gospel that you have to trust in Jesus Christ. So it's a very simple presentation. Uh, if you're me, you have to have it translated, as you'll see in the video. But the, the parents, I would just look out there as we would say this, and they would just be confused because they've heard their whole life growing up. They have a priest, and usually it's a circuit priest. And there's a little version of inter-Christian persecution, which you don't hear a lot about. The local priest has told some families not to go to the Bible club, or he will not sign their baptism certificate. In Ecuador, if you don't have your baptism certificate, you can't get a driver's license. You can't get a marriage license. And that priest told them kids, some of the kids, you can't go to that or I won't sign. And you know what? A bunch of them kids came anyway because they're learning about the true Jesus. The food is amazing. It is much better than here. I met the Ecuadorian Charlotte, right, <laughs> down there at the Baptist camp. 
I'm like, I told, I tried to tell her my, 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 my Spanish is muy poquito. It's very little. I, I, I tried to tell her, I have a lady like you at my church. And that's where I get my good food. Because in North America, if you buy it in the you know, store, if you buy it, especially restaurants, it's, it's horrible by comparison. They're eating fresh shrimp and fish right out of the Pacific, right next to the coast, right? So I flew back into Miami late Friday night. And they wanted to go to TGI Fridays. It's the only place open. And we sit down, and I order a, a pollo, you know, yo-yo, a chicken sandwich, and I go to eat it, and I can taste the plastic. I almost gagged because it was so disgusting. I've been eating fresh, fresh food all week. They have banned high fructose corn syrup. They consider that inhumane to give to human beings. Meanwhile, in America, we're like more, <laughs> more. The team, the Ecuadorian team, they pack up all of the material, the, the portable television, the speakers, and they travel around to different Bible clubs, putting on our level of vacation Bible school every day in a different place, no AC, Catholic priests telling them not to come, and they go anyway because Christ is that important. That's the ministry down there. So they're preaching the gospel, but they are doing apologetics. Because these kids are literally being told, hey, they're lying to you. I won't sign if you go to that. You know, you can't go to that and learn about Jesus. You have to stay here in our regular Catholic church. Let me see, what else? The hotel that we stayed in on the coast, I was on the third floor and I had a view of the ocean. The Wi-Fi was better than at my house. So let's see, I have better internet. Uh, I had AC in the hotel room. I had, let's see, I was carted around a bus all week. The food is better. I'm sort of like, why is this country worse than mine? <laughs> it's not. It's just different. It's just different. See, we've kind of been told a lie. And has anyone been to South America? South America? South Florida? For, for, the, for the live stream, a person said they've been to South Florida. That's not even close. <laughs> it's just different. They live, they're happy. They don't believe they live in a third world country. They live in their country. And do you know what? Do you know what they think about us a little bit? They don't think a whole lot. If nobody was mean to me. I was trying to get by in my limited Spanish and, and these nice Ecuadorian men were being like, hey, good job, gringo. You know? <laughs> they, were, they were humoring me. You know, the kids laugh because you're not pronouncing anything correctly. Um, and they just laugh. But I realized that, that and I had a person tell me, that, oh, America, isn't that the place where people just get depressed all the time? Because they have so much money. That's what they think. And it's not negative. They're not like, oh, I hate that place. I would never go there. They all want to get to the States. Because they use our dollar. The Ecuadorians use the American dollar. And down there, you know, whatever you want to buy, it's a dollar. They want to get to the States because of the wealth. So they try to send their children with what they call coyotes. And most of them don't make it. They end up being trafficked instead. They want to get here not because, not because we're better, but because we just have more. We have wealth. And you know what? They're happy down there. That's the other thing I realized. I was never once surprised at the poor state or, 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 or going, oh, I don't have, this is terrible. I can't believe they live like this. I never once thought that. In fact, I kept experiencing things that made me go, this is better than at my house. <laughs> These people packed into a church building that used to be a beer warehouse that has bamboo rafters 
no AC, concrete floor, and they packed more than 200 in there. They're spilling outside the front door with, with chairs to watch a Christian movie and then hear the gospel afterward. Guys, if the AC broke, I'm not saying you wouldn't have come, but somebody would have told me about it. <laughs> if I'd have tried to replicate the experience this morning and turn the ACs off and nobody, nobody touch them, right? Somebody would ask me, hey, uh, it's a little warm in here. <laughs> But I'm not saying that's bad, That's because that's how we live. But I'm just saying that they, they go for Christ, and we have to, and I had to do this, I had to get rid of this image that for some reason, that because this country was below mine, that it was somehow beneath mine. And it's not. It's truly not. I think he's speaking Spanish over there. <laughs> that's what I sounded like to the locals <laughs> in Ecuador. <laughs> That's what they heard when I was talking Spanish. <laughs> All right, so let me see if there's anything else I want to talk about Ecuador. Like I said, this is not the sermon yet, so um, let me see, let me see. Uh, excellent, excellent. I did take my anti-parasitic uh, pill when I left the country, so I hopefully didn't bring any worms back. <laughs> let me see, what else? What else? We met a man there who his blood pressure was very, very high. And I didn't hear the number, but it was stroke level high. And I was sensitive to that because mine was high, you know, recently. And so I, we laid hands and prayed for him. And I, we had a translator whose name was Cesar. This guy was like 400 pounds. He was like seven foot tall. And he was awesome. In fact, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, he compared me to Samwise. And that made me tear up and I hugged him and I said, Cesar, you, me amigo. <laughs> and he was one of our translators and he's translating while I'm praying. So this Ecuadorian man is hearing gibberish because he doesn't speak English and then he hears the Spanish translation of the prayer from some white guy he doesn't know. But he looked at me afterward and smiled and said, gracias. Because he felt the love and, th and that's why. So here's the challenge. I want to take some of you down with me next time because I'm going back. Now I probably won't be able to go back till spring 2024 Gary is very booked up until then. And as I've learned, he's one of the premier ministries in Ecuador. So we are going to go with him. I could try to go myself early, but I'm not going to. It just, I would just get in the way, especially not being fluent. So spring 2024, I want to go back. And I want some of you to go with me. Now, I can already hear some of the excuses. I know, I know. Ecuador doesn't have any limit on your blood pressure medication. I took mine. You can take yours. <laughs> we took on this trip four people over the age of 70. And one of them had just shattered her kneecap eight weeks ago, or 16 weeks ago. She just, she just got cleared from her doctor to move around. So there's no limit on age or mobility. You can go, and you can experience a radically different culture that developed alongside of ours and before ours, long before ours. But it's the exact same Christ. It is the exact same spirit and the exact same gospel. And they need it even more, because you know what? Do you know what they would say about us? We say about them, oh, they're really Catholic. We need to teach them the true gospel. Some of their missionaries, Pastor Andreas, he may come here and he may say, everyone thinks they're already Christian here, but they're not. They think their culture has saved them, but they're not. They need to trust in the true Jesus. They all go to church. The whole country says they're Christian, but they don't live like it. And we got to reach them. That's what he would say about us. So consider that. Consider that. All right, so we're going to play this video. Are you ready, Mr. Kyle? This thing's about six minutes long. I didn't want to cut out stuff that I loved. So please enjoy, and then we will have our message for today. Mr. Kyle, when you're ready.
If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. I just have a, three points I want to share with you this morning. I'm not even sure how long this message is going to be. This is just on my heart. Uh, I had very little time to study. I jotted down a few notes on my phone. And then yesterday I was trying to recover from jet lag. <laughs> In Acts 1.8, which is a well-known verse, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, you command several times in Scripture here in Acts and in Matthew in the Great Commission to make disciples, Lord. And not just those, of, those around us, Lord, but the entire world. So Lord, I hope you bless our three points today. And help us truly understand that missions is both to my neighbor and wherever I am and the places that you send me and the places I go because of your son. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Three points. First point, if you like to take notes. God is the one who lays missions on the heart. Missions is not a Christian vacation. It looks like a lot of fun, doesn't it? And did you see that beach house on the mountain? They said some poor gringo bought that house and built it there on a mountain node for mudslides and uh, can't live in it anymore now. I wanted you to specifically see that house, that beautiful, what we would call rich house, that the person who didn't understand the culture, didn't understand the context of where he was, thought he was getting a deal, built it, and now cannot live there. And then I turned my phone to the Bible club with the actual children worshiping Christ to see what was truly valuable. Missions is not a decision. You do not decide to go on mission. It is a calling. God is the one who lays missions upon the heart. Jump to Acts 13 in your Bibles. If God desires you to leave your home and go on mission, he will put such a feeling upon you, you will not be able to say no. Acts 13, verses 2 and 3. And while they were worshiping the Lord... And fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Missions is not a decision. God will send the Spirit. And the Spirit who is in you after salvation directs you onto the mission that you are supposed to go. And I don't know where that might be for each one of us. The opportunities I've had now, which include international missions, my first international missions trip. Just as the Holy Spirit compelled Paul and Barnabas to go on mission, God will guide your heart to the mission he desires for you. It will be that you, it will not be that you want to go, it will be that you must go. As the Lord wills, you will go. God is the one who lays missions on your heart. So what I'm going to ask you to do is pray. As I begin to talk about this next year, as I begin to talk about supporting this ministry, that you'll pray what your role in that support is. Whether you're just giving or whether you are going, that you will join in the missions that God is giving us as a church. So that's point number one. God will lay missions on your heart. And in fact, he's the only one who does. No one else does. I cannot compel you to do something. Only the Holy Spirit can. Second point. God ordains the place, the time, and the season. Please go to Acts 17, 26. Do not worry or fear 
about the time or place you should go. God has already ordained His desires for you on His mission. Acts 17.26 And He made from one man, this is Paul now, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. God has already decided where you live, why you live there, and the boundaries of your dwelling place. Because I've heard some say, why do we have to go to foreign countries to preach the gospel? Aren't there lost people here? And that is correct. There are, in fact, lost people here. There's probably lost people looking at me right now. However, God determines the times and boundaries. I wouldn't say that if I were you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that thought. I think it's a bad thought. I think it's a bad thing to say. Because the state of California, which needs Jesus desperately, is farther away than Ecuador is. Why haven't you gone there? Here's the reason I wouldn't say it. Since it is God who determines the times and boundaries of my dwelling place, I should say, if the Lord wills, I believe I'm led to do this. So instead of saying, why do we have to go to a foreign country? Why can't we just do missions here? Instead say, you know what? The Lord hasn't led me to go to a foreign country. He's led me to do missions here. Why are we always so negative? Why is it all, I know all about I'm not, what I'm not supposed to do. What I'm not called to do. I know what everybody else is supposed to do and called to do, but I'm not sure about me yet. That shouldn't be Christians. That should not be Christians. Instead of saying, why do we have to go? Say, Lord, where do you want me to go? And then follow his leading. Because I will tell you this, I have heard a person say, why do I have to go when I could just do it here? But they don't do it here. It's just an excuse. God ordains where your mission will be. Whether it's close or far away from home, be content and follow God's leading. He has already ordained your dwelling place. In fact, you are going to go exactly where God wants you to go, and there will be nothing that you can do or say against it. So please be careful when you say, why do we have to do that? Because God may call you to do the thing you didn't want to do. What about the great missionary prophet? What's his name? Oh yeah, Jonah. God had already determined Jonah was going to Nineveh. He'd already spawned a fish, waiting and ready for what was going to happen. We're going to tell God no about what we're going to do? Not at all. Not at all. And in fact, it is often the ones who say that, the foolish ones who God will teach the hard lesson. <laughs> so, point number two, it is God who ordains the time and place. Don't, don't fear. Trust Him. Third and final point, I'm speeding through the sermon, this is good. Go to Matthew 28, verse 18. I love this, uh, this text. But I've seen something new now that I did not know before. I've learned something new in this verse I did not know before. Matthew 28, 18, verses 18 through 20, most commonly known as the Great Commission. Verse 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So what he's saying now is, I know that the Jewish rulers had authority, I know the high priest had authority, the temple rulers had authority, but I have the authority. God in heaven has given me 
This thing I'm about to tell you, it does not come from man, it comes from God. So Jesus has already laid out the foundation of, listen, what I'm about to tell you is not only right, it is what you're going to do. It is a command from God. The same God who thundered on Mount Sinai is now speaking to you softly, telling you, verse 19, Go, therefore. Go. It's built into the command. Now, I don't know if your mission is going to be in Ecuador or Asia or Africa or right outside your front door, but I know that it is somewhere because you're called to go. I heard a great joke about specifically Baptist because it's one of our great hymns. We're so content to sit on the premises of the church in our blessed assurance, <laughs> but we're not willing. We'd rather fly across the country to debate theological points, but rather than cross the street to talk to someone about Christ. You're supposed to go. So I don't want to hear after today from anybody about whether or not we're supposed to go. You are supposed to go. However, I'm not saying it has to be to a foreign country. Outside your door, there are lots of lost people. And they need the gospel. They need to hear Romans 10. How can they hear without a preacher? That's you. You're supposed to go. I want to challenge you right now. When was, when was the last time outside of the church building, I don't mean teaching a class, when was the last time you witnessed about Christ? I mean, the stereotypical Baptist witness. Knock on the door. Hello, sir. Have you heard about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? <laughs> when was the last time you met somebody and told them about your Savior? If that was a long time ago, or if you can't remember, that's not very good. However, you can fix that. You can fix that today. Because I realized this past week as I was talking to people on the street, my job keeps me from limited opportunities. My town and my culture keeps me. And I got to break out of that. I got to move past. Hey, man, you go to church somewhere? Oh, yeah, sure I do. And that's the end of the conversation. I got to move past that. He takes his car to the mechanic shop. Don't make him a mechanic. And he may take himself to church, but that don't make him a Christian. So I got to move past that. No, no, no. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you repented of sin and trusted in him for salvation? Have you done that? Well, we're not supposed to do that culturally because that's rude. I told you I went to church. Why are you asking me these questions? Because your presence in the building does not indicate a presence on your Lamb's Book of Life. Your spot in the pew does not indicate a spot in heaven. I watched little kids walk for miles with no shoes to get to the Bible study on their own, no adult supervision. They're out there and they need us. And we're supposed to go. We're supposed to go. And I'm going to tell you the best place. I know where the best place is for you. I honestly do. The Lord has told me. It's in the scripture. Guys, it's your jobs and your supermarkets, and the places and boundaries I already told you God has ordained for you. Think of that lost person you interact with right now at work. That's the mission. Forget about Ecuador. Forget about the passports. That's the mission. He's right next to you. She's right next to you. Do they even know you're a Christian? And do they know from you? Man, I hope you get so witnessing that they're like, oh, great, here they come. 
Yes, yes, I know, I know, fine. I'm going to repent just to get you off my back. <laughs> we should be aggravating people with Jesus. Jesus did. He aggravated the Pharisees. <laughs> so we go, therefore, and we make disciples. We don't just come in with a little Bible lesson. See, we were not the ones really doing the ministry in Ecuador. We're just joining with the Ecuadorian team. They're the ones making disciples. Gary and Dina discipled them. We just came to help. That's why I tried to move as many boxes and chairs as I could. Disciples. Not get in church. Get in church has ruined North American Christianity. Yeah, they all got in church and they all got right back out as soon as, soon as they could. That's why our children leave in astounding numbers. Because we got them in church. But they weren't in Christ. That's why adult visitors... Breeze in and breeze out because they got in church, but they're not in Christ. We're called to make disciples. Why didn't Jesus just say it? Why didn't he say make converts? Go therefore and make converts of all nations. That's what a traveling evangelist does, and it's easy. Breeze right in. All right, everybody, repeat after me. Say this prayer. You're all saved now. I'm out of here. Not after I get my plate. That love offering that went around, and then I'm gone. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said make disciples. How much time did Jesus put into his disciples? Minimum. Come on, you know it. Three years. Three years. Which means we have a biblical precedent of a time that we should be putting into disciples. You may go to Ecuador for a week, but you are here for years. Where's the mission? Where's the real mission? Guys, it's not really in Ecuador. It's not really here. The real mission is from your Christian heart to that lost heart. Wherever you may be. That's the mission. Sorry, I've had a great week. I'm just really passionate about this. We make disciples of all nations. We baptize them. We immerse them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now that's important. It is not that we physically dunk them. Okay? It is that we immerse them in the Trinity. We immerse them in the law of God the salvation of the Son, and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're giving them. And you want to immerse them. Remember I said, aggravate your coworker who's lost? Immerse them. Don't let, them, don't let a conversation go by. The greatest insult that I ever heard that someone said about me was this. Well, every time you start talking to Josh, he just brings up a Bible verse. Guilty. You got me. That's right. That's right. You got me. Throw me in the briar patch. I'm loving this kid over here. He is really supportive today. <laughs> I heard him say amen. I heard it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Ooh, that's a real Christian over there. All right, so immersing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What did Jesus command? Love God in heaven. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're teaching our disciples. That's what we're giving to those around us. And then he finishes off. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, here's the point I want to make. Look back at make disciples of all nations. That phrase there. I'm going to butcher some of my pronunciation. I've been working on Spanish. Pantata ethne. Where we get the word ethnic. Means a race 
a people group usually outside of the privileged Jewish people, but also sometimes in the singular, the nations outside Judaism, the Gentiles. So Jesus literally is commanding in the language, go outside of your privileged cultural group. If you boys, this is Jesus talking, if you guys stop with the Jews, you failed me. You will have failed me. And where does he send them? Peter to Cornelius. Paul to the Mediterranean to reach the Gentiles. Because Paul said it in his one of his letters. God said, you know what? I'm going to draw me a people from all people of the earth. You are not a Jew anymore because you're circumcised. You are a Jew because you have Christ. You're a part of God's special people because of Christ. Not your birthright. Not your birthright. So will are we willing to go? Are we willing to leave right now our privileged group and go outside? Outside the camp? Because let me tell you, you don't have to fly to another country to do that. You know where they warned us about on this trip, the danger area? They warned us. They said, don't, don't go to this one certain place. Don't go there. It was outside the doors of Miami International Airport. The most dangerous leg of the trip. Don't leave the airport. We may not get you back. Guys, it's here. It's here. Come with me sometime to the FCA. Where 500 kids go to school and five of them show up for Bible club. Come with me sometime to these neighborhoods. Where drug addiction has so corrupted somebody's mind, they're just dying. Literally in front of you, dying. Come with me to an American, a North American culture. I learned that, by the way. There are Americans down there. Don't, you can't say that. <laughs> Us North Americans, our culture of, I'm already a Christian. I don't even have to consider Jesus Christ. I'm good. I went to church as a child. Grandma drugged me there. I don't even want to say the old joke. I can't help it. All of us with these drug problems, being drugged to church. Are we willing to go outside? Because that's what I'm calling on us to do right now. Church, I want to challenge you. I have seen this ministry. It is valuable. It is worthy. They are preaching a gospel. They are doing apologetics against Catholic priests who are banning the kids from coming. It's worthy. So I'm calling to the church right now. This is my challenge. I'm asking that we begin to pray about supporting paid ministries. Now, I don't know what that means or what that's going to look like. If we send them a, a dollar a month, I don't know. But I bet we can do better than that. I bet we can do better than that. So let's start praying right now. I'm going to pray in just a few minutes about it, but I want you to go home and pray today, tomorrow, this week. How are you going to support this ministry? Because it's valuable, guys. And God has brought it into my time and boundary and shown me that I need to support it. And I'm going to. I want to take some of you with me. I wish I could take you all, but it's usually about 15 is the max. I want to take you with me. I want you to go see and experience this. But know this, the mission is right outside those doors. It's at your home. It's at your work. It's in your commute. It's right near your heart. And Christ is challenging you now. Go. and Make disciples. Go and share what I have done for you. We are to go outside of our privileged group and reach groups that we do not know, we're not even a part of yet. We may not even be comfortable yet. 
And consider this as I'm about to close. Who left his privileged group? Christ in heaven left his privileged place to go down to a people who were beneath him and less than. But instead of judgment, he brought salvation. He immersed himself amongst them. John 14, right? John 1. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He left his privileged place. He has already done the thing he's commanding you to now go and do. God left his privileged place in glory and went to reach ones who were far away from him. How far is heaven from the earth? He left heaven. And that's why you're saved today. Christ now calls you to the same work. And once again, don't make no mistake, I'm not saying you have to fly to South America. I'm just saying the mission is outside. Are you willing to go? Are you listening for the call of the Spirit in the time and boundaries in which you live? Are you willing to go make disciples today? Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, challenge all of our hearts. Lord, not to come up with the excuses or the reasons why we don't have to. Lord, let us just simply say this. Lord, in my life right now, my age, my condition, my mobility, everything about me, what is the mission I'm called to? Get out, Lord, help us get out of our minds everything we're not called to do. What am I called to do? What am I supposed to do to bring you glory? What is the ordination upon my life? Give it to me clearly, Lord Jesus, so that I can serve you. So I can get my hands dirty on mission and look up and know that you smile in heaven. Lord, help us to make disciples. Help us to leave our privileged place because you left your privileged place. And it's the reason we're saved today. Because you went on mission. A mission of God's command. To redeem, save, and sanctify your people. And that's why we're the church today. Because Christ, the best missionary, left that right side and came down to be amongst us. Lord, let us be willing to do the same according to your leading and your will. But I challenge every one of us now. Lord, forget about other countries. Forget about travel. Who's the person right now around me and in my life that I know is my mission? Lord, strengthen me. Push me to reach them. Even if it's hard, even if they're going to argue, even if they're going to make fun of me, push me, Lord, to tell them about my Savior. Strengthen us for this work. Guide us and lead us, Lord, as we seek to serve you and let us glorify you. In everything we say and do, we ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.